In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Part of the human experience is to ask questions. We all chuckle from time to time about the questions that children ask. The, why is the sky blue? Or why is the grass green? And the ever tedious and often repeated, are we there yet? Science has taught us about atmospheric conditions that make the brilliant sky blue. And the process of photosynthesis that plants use to turn sunlight and carbon dioxide into energy for growth. Maps and newer sat-nav units in our cars and on our mobile phones have perhaps helped answer the voices in the back seat of the car. But some of the deeper questions that we ask ourselves, the more existential ones, are sometimes the ones that we ask when we ponder life and on our being here in this present moment. And they deal not with science and discovery or with political or economic theory. Instead, they deal with questions about me, or in your case, questions about you. Why am I here? Why has this event happened to me? And perhaps the most, cel uh, most uh, self-revealing and most thought-provoking of all, who am I? Who am I is a question of identity, a question of not only a person's name or his family line, but is also a question that asks, where do I belong? What is my worth? What defines me in the eyes of the world? And even the questions that sometimes gnaw at our souls of who is the true me? Or how can I be true to myself in this given situation? Identity is something that seems to take up a lot of time in the media today. And identity, who we truly are, can sometimes weigh on us. Am I part of the right group? Am I considered rich enough, successful enough? Do I run with the right people? Identity crises can also plague organizations, businesses, even the arts community. Do people know who we are? Do we offer something truly needed or desired by the masses? Do we actually contribute to the good of our community? This morning we heard about Jesus' identity being confirmed by no less than a voice from heaven, the voice of God. But because we know this story well from other accounts of Matthew and Mark, we sometimes miss a few details in Luke that he alone highlights for us and that we'll be pointing to some of the themes for the rest of the year when we revisit Luke during our readings. Now, the first thing that we need to realize, and this does require careful reading, is John the Baptist someone who has been present as the great forerunner, 
disappears from the narrative just before we learn of Jesus' baptism. Luke, while telling us in the early part of this story about John and his preaching, and we have just a little bit of that in our lesson today, he craftily removes John from the story. And he does this not because Luke doesn't like John, nor does Luke think he's not important enough. Rather, Luke removes John because John's purpose is fulfilled. St. John the Baptist has completed his task of being the prophet to announce the coming of the Messiah. And it is time for him to step off the stage and let this Messiah, the person whom this story is truly about, to come front and center. This is one of the markers that Luke gives us within the first three chapters of his gospel as to who Jesus is. From the announcing of a prophet who will proclaim the coming Messiah, to the angel Gabriel announcing to the Blessed Virgin Mary that she shall conceive by the power of the Holy Spirit. Remember that. It will be important in just a few minutes. And then on Christmas night itself, the angels and the hosts of heaven singing to the shepherds in a field about a Savior who has come into the world. And while all of this has been told to others, Zechariah, Mary, the shepherds, we don't have an account so far of God the Father or more angels, or even Mary and Joseph telling Jesus that he is indeed the Messiah, confirming to him what is true. That is, until we come to this baptism narrative. If we look carefully, we will notice that Luke doesn't record the baptism as an event or, a, or as a story. But instead, Luke records it as something that has already happened in the narrative, as a past event that we do not see. When Jesus also had been baptized, is how he introduces that. Then Luke draws our attention to a detail that we will find over and over again throughout his gospel. Jesus was praying. Jesus had been baptized, and now Jesus was praying. And as Jesus was praying, the heavens was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. And it was when Jesus was praying, was in conversation with his Father, that this revelation this unveiling of, of his identity was confirmed not only to us as readers, but to Jesus himself. You, you are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. The baptism of Jesus is the inauguration of his ministry on earth. And it coincides with Jesus' own identity as Son of God, as Messiah, who was also known as the Son of God in the Psalms and in the Prophets. 
And it was the beginning of the kingdom of heaven being found here on earth. And it is from Jesus' baptism that we learn ourselves about what our own baptism means. Baptism is one of our sacraments, one of the ways that we take created substance, primarily water in this case, and through grace we say that we have had our sins washed away, forgiven, or we have been buried with Christ, to be raised to a new life. And through baptism, we welcome others just as we have been welcomed into the household of faith, the family of God. And that becomes our new identity. We bear the name of Christ from that point on, whether we are baptized as infants or in elder years. We follow Jesus through his death and resurrection. And one of the things that occurs when we are baptized is the sealing on our foreheads of the oil of chrismon, oil blessed by a bishop in the sign of the cross. We are marked, branded, if you will, with the identity of Christ. One of the things that is a gift of baptism is the coming of the Holy Spirit, the beginning of the Spirit's work in our lives. When God moves and works, sometimes we talk about the Spirit of God moving or taking the form of a bird and images of wind and flight and even fire come to mind. Think about the creation account in Genesis. The Spirit of God hovered or brooded over the waters. Noah sent out from the ark a dove, which brought back a sign of life, the branch of the olive tree. Wind moved and drove the waters of the Red Sea, Another metaphor of both the Passover and our own baptism, us coming through the waters. The wind drove the waters of the Red Sea back, and the children of Israel was led both by a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. We have the image of the Holy Spirit overshadowing, hovering, if you will, over the Virgin Mary. Now we have the Holy Spirit descending upon Jesus at his baptism. And in a few weeks' time, months' time in actuality, we will look even forward more to the wind and the flames of fire that descended upon the apostles on the day of Pentecost. This same Spirit that came in the form of a dove in Jesus' baptism is the same Spirit who comes to us who comes and tells us that we too are children of God, adopted heirs of grace, adopted heirs of God through Christ. And it is this coming of the Spirit, this gift given to us, that inwardly marks us, gives us our identity as Christ followers, just as 
Water symbolizes our forgiveness of sins. And the oil seals us into the household of faith. What does it mean then for us to share our identity with Christ? Just like we might ask, who am I? Or what is my role here? Or even, why am I here? We need to, because of who we are, ask the question, who am I in Christ? What does it mean for me to be a Christian? Someone sealed and committed to the identity of Christ. When we are honest with ourselves and take stock of where we are, it helps us remember who we belong to, whose we are. It's like remembering your family story or your place in the community or your role in this world. Everybody has at least one, some people several. That is part of the reason why when we renew our baptismal vows, like we will do in a few moments, that we recite the Apostles' Creed and we recommit, we re-pledge ourselves to the work of the church, the work of all of our callings. None of it is optional. Nothing that we promise is on a maybe I'll do that list. And it's the work and the identity of Jesus himself that we promise to live into. So when we recite these, take a moment to really look at these promises. Take a moment to see where you fall short, whether you fail occasionally on some and daily on others. But also take a moment to be honest and notice where you're living into your identity and calling. If you have a prayer book at home, and if you don't, then take the one that you're using this morning home with you. Go to this page each morning and each evening this week and use it as your examination of conscience to see where you have fallen short. And then ask, where can this parish, also marked with the identity of Jesus, do her work more effectively and into the Spirit's calling? The voice from heaven declared Jesus to be his Son, the Beloved, in whom he was well pleased. We too, through our baptisms, are sons and daughters of the Most High. Let us live into our identity as children of God and also be well-pleasing to our Heavenly Father. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.